Good evening and welcome to the eulogy for the deaf emotion pictures. Tonight we are discussing the 2000 something Eminem starring film Eight Mile. And today I'm joined by uh, James Griffith. Hello. Hi. And so James is uh, one of my best friends and he's also, oh, that's it. That's the whole bio I'm going to give for you. Okay. He's one of my best friends. That's all the qualifications people that's what, Yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> you're a professor of philosophy. Yep. And I know you're in Turkey right now. I don't know the name of the university where you're teaching. Uh, so it's Middle East Technical University. Uh, okay. The Turkish name I can't really remember or pronounce very well, so I just don't bother with that. And it's right. Ankara in the capital. Could you describe like your specialty in philosophy? Uh, primarily early modern philosophy. Uh, so okay. 17th, 17th, 17th and 18th century philosophy. So that's people like Descartes and Hobbes, um, Voltaire. I'm, I'm teaching, I'm in the middle of teaching Candide right now. So Voltaire, uh, okay. and also contemporary continental philosophy. So people like Jacques Derrida, Gilles Deleuze, and Foucault, Judith Butler, that sort of stuff. So does any of that expertise apply to Eminem or eight mile? Uh, um, yeah, I'm going to go with yeah. Okay. <laughs> How? I mean, one of the things that, well, I guess that I kind of learned over the course of getting my PhD is that for me, all, all philosophy is kind of political philosophy, even if okay. political philosophy isn't always like about metaphysics or whatever. But since like metaphysics or ontology or whatever is about uh, very often about prioritization and order that always seems to me to go hand in hand with questions about power, um, yeah. which as I kind of read more, learned more, taught more, uh, I started to see a lot of the ways in which power and economics tends to work. And I think you can't watch eight mile without thinking about both power and economics. I mean, yeah. on, and on top of it, the 17th and 18th century, these people are really deeply concerned with, uh, with rhetoric and kind of right. modes of presentation, which, this is an obviously consistent concern. I mean, it's a consistent concern in thought and in hip hop generally, but I think yeah. Eminem as a as an individual tends to take it farther than most than most tend to. Yeah. So I mean, so, let's say not directly. <laughs> no, I think that was a really good argument, and um, there's a lot of things that I want to get back to. You know, you're an Eminem fan, and we've 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 talked about Eminem for a while, and yeah. most recently, like I don't know if you still are, but you're like going through his whole catalog, <laughs> and, like just going back to it. Yeah, I had to take a break. I had to take a break from that. <laughs> it's a bigger catalog than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> what about Eminem that makes him? So interesting to you. Why do you like Eminem? I mean, there's kind of two two big things. And I used to say this because I, I was not into hip hop for a really, really long time. Uh, I wasn't yeah. into any of the kind of hip hop related stuff, um, scratching and, and whatever else. For a really yeah. long time, I was a grunge dork and then I got into <laughs> punk. Actually, I think you might be one of the main people who got me into kind of legit punk and stuff like that. Yeah, um, possible. What kind of got me in? Oh, yeah. I think um, somebody played me uh, DJ Shadow's first album, Introducing, and I all of a sudden was like, oh, oh okay, I've been very wrong about all of this. <laughs> so you didn't like hip-hop too much no, yeah. when you were an, like a young adult, and then you hear Introducing, and what first, first what about that awoke you to the, the beautiful, soulful music of hip-hop, and also how did that lead to Eminem? Well, I, okay, so... Uh, that what is it organ grinder um, and I, and I oh, yeah. realized just how masterful the scratching was and it suddenly occurred to me that the turntable is really could be an instrument 
Yeah. And I and I actually got into a couple of arguments with with like old high school friends and stuff like this uh, about stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, people like, get real tripped up on the musicality. Yeah, of yeah. And then I think you or maybe Alan Kaplan showed me the yeah. Scratch movie, and I started kind of being like, oh, oh, there's a whole like just didn't realize, you know, because I was a dork, snob, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I started kind of being like, okay, so this is actually really interesting to take a recorded sound, so a mass-produced piece of music, and then turn not the music itself, so like sampling of, um, okay, that's one thing, which is a certain type of skill, but then like turn not the music itself, but the recording as a recording into yeah. an, another form of instrument, which I was just like, that is fast. I, I just think it's fascinating on like a on an intellectual level or artistic level or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I basically kind of just stopped being a dork <laughs> as much as anything. Yeah. And then, you know, and I hated Eminem's first album came out, but that was all coming out at the time when Puffy was huge. Yes. And Puff Daddy. Yeah. And the stuff that, um, what really turned me off to hip hop in that mid to late nineties era was the videos. I kept thinking like, this looks like hair metal Duran Duran videos from the late eighties, which is precisely what got me into grunge and punk in the first place. Right. Yeah. Like I was yeah. just like, what is the point of all of this crap? And so, yeah, so I just hated kind of, uh, Eminem's first album, yeah. like on principle, I didn't really listen to, <laughs> didn't listen to it. Because you lumped him in with like Puff Daddy. Yeah. It's like, oh, kind of like this. Just fuck all these guys. You know, this entire scene is just like not interesting anymore. Right. Uh, it's just too flashy and, yeah. and not. Yeah. Yeah. And then what is it? Um, I need to double check because I, I get those first couple of albums mixed up in my head a little bit. Oh, I have no idea the names of his albums. He has an album called Recovery. Yeah. And he has another one called Revival. Yeah. And they're all, they all kind of blend together after a while so i think i think it was the, yeah. i think it was the marshall mathers lp i'm i have the wikipedia that's how i'm able to get all this nice i think the first one is the slim shady lp yeah yeah and then the second one is the marshall mathers yeah exactly and that's the yeah. one that has the uh the stand reality of man has the what that's like the duality of man, the Slim Shady <laughs> LP and then the Marshall Mathers. Yeah. It's about masks and personas. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. what started getting me really interested in it. Um, you yeah, the second one. The second one, yeah, because Stan was on oh, there. Right, yeah. Which is, I think I w when I was kind of like trying to bone up on my Eminem knowledge the last yeah. little while, um, I think like Rolling Stone or The Source or something said it was like the most important hip hop song of the last 30 years or something. I mean, I don't know. I think it's a damn good song. I think it's a great song. And it's funny. Like I, that's one I don't revisit ever. Mm. There's something because like, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. It's totally heartbreaking and it's really well done, but it's a real raw nerve. Yeah. 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 Which is something that I, I think that Eminem really cultivated his ability to touch on those raw nerves mm -hmm. like the more over time but i think i was probably the first the first really prominent uh example of that yeah yeah and especially with the dido sample yeah like it yeah. just kind of won't let up and then it gets it gets to what you think is the end and then he comes back and responds yeah and i was like oh wait a second this guy is smart yeah <laughs> really yeah. really smart uh, have you seen this? Like, so there's an internet thing and just, I think general slang where now Stan is, that means like when you are a big fan of something or when you are like You're an obsessive fan. Yeah. Really? It was from that. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw it around a lot and 
I didn't put two and two together. No, I, I, I would not have done that either. Or something. Huh. Yeah. And it's a verb. So it's like you so, stand. You stand that dude or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Be like you stand Cardi B or whatever. Wow. Huh. I know it's it's funny. He changed the language. I don't know, like if if it's going to. I mean, that's twenty years it old. Said a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I mean, the last that, couple that of years, in two thousand. Yeah, I listen to a lot of Eminem too. I love Eminem. Mm. I've been saying, I've been calling him my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the second album, yeah. So that that one speaks to you. Yeah, well, because that's the one where I realized, okay, wait a second. He's got this first thing called the Slim Shady album. But he's yeah. but he's going by Eminem, and now he's got this album called the Marshall Mathers LP. But yeah. he's still going by Eminem, and I realized, like, wait a second, this guy's got like three personae <laughs> <laughs> that are all like when you start listening to to some of the song, not all of them, but some of the songs, they're talking to each other, they're commenting yeah. on each other's work. Like, yeah, this guy's either a complete schizophrenic, <laughs> or like he's really playing around with identity and stage stage persona in a way that I'd never come across in hip hop. Right. I mean, hip hop is obviously always about persona, and I mean, because you know how many different well. Puffy went by Puffy, Puff Daddy, he did, you know, uh, Dre right, is obviously right. not a medical doctor. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I'm fairly sure Ghostface Killer has not actually murdered anyone. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. They're, they're counterfactuals to this, but like Kanye West. But, you know, for the mm-hmm. most part, rap dudes don't go by their, their real names. They come up with some, you know some nickname or whatever some stage name right and but what's interesting and so yeah there's this like play with personas it's very prominent but also um but they tend to stick there's also one. interesting authenticity yeah, exactly. and realness. exactly yeah yeah and they and they tend to stick with one in particular for that authenticity right because like yeah um to some extent who, who is that guy six nine or six, six? oh tech yeah i, know I don't know how to pronounce about. his name i've just seen it in yeah in print. i've never tried to say that <laughs> yeah. um didn't he he like uh testify against against some major drug dealers in like a florida or something like that oh, i don't i mean there's a lot of i never like, heard of the guy like, until this and then all of a sudden now yeah. now in like kind of doing my research or trying to remind my to catch up on the eminem oeuvre yeah. <laughs> i realized they had a beef and stuff like that oh yeah yeah oh, and also um uh, eminem's friend uh 50 cent like he i think he took his name or something from like a real drug dealer oh really yeah and, and his first big underground hit i think he was just like telling the real stories of like all these like new york queens drugs drug dealers oh wow okay i just yeah, assumed like, it was a standard yeah. reference to you know like coins kilos of coke yeah. or something yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah he was really proud of his coin, <laughs> coin collection his great-grandfather left him yeah exactly <laughs> you know and, and i think that people are mad at 50 cent for like breaking omerta on these things uh-huh. okay and it's kind of funny because he, li- but he's like, no, I'm the realest dude or whatever. Right, right. And then, you know, now he's just like the corniest motherfucker, <laughs> you know, like he he's no on like wearing, talk shit. He's no longer wearing uh, bulletproof vests or whatever. Oh, he might, but I think it's like a Gucci bulletproof <laughs> yeah. vest, you know, like Vera Wang or something. Right, right. Yeah. But I think to follow up on your thing about personas and Eminem, I don't, I really don't want to pick apart like his personas. I think there's just too much stuff there, honestly. That's why I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, really, no. And I, really I can't always it. keep up, I'll be honest. And not all those things are successful in my mind. No, and no. Yeah. And he's, but I, like the Slim Shady one, that's critical. 
Yeah. The, these two streams converge, like this idea of authenticity and this idea of persona, you know, because no matter how good Eminem is because of his race, he's died. There's going to be, he's going to be inauthentic. Mm -hmm. Always that will dog him that he's inauthentic, yeah, yeah. you know, because he's not black and this is black music. Right. Right. I think that's a sore spot for him in like in real life. Yeah, I think so. Although, um, I mean, I think he's because he's what he's like three, four or five years older than us, I think. Something like that. Yeah. I think there's yeah. a point where he's it seems like at least on the last album or two where he's kind of been able to take up a kind of position that Dre had when he first came up in the sense of like, dude, I've been at this a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, well, that's because he was beefing with like 18 year olds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like he's writing yeah. his own version of, of forgot about Dre for himself yeah. now. Well, he wrote forgot. About <laughs> Dre. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I yeah. He, wrote, he wrote, he wrote a version of forgot about Dre for himself. And that's like his last two oh, or three yeah. albums. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think we just have to address that, you know, but also it's, you know, like, yeah, he's this white rapper. It's a sore spot for him. I think it's a sore spot for me too. Cause I love Eminem. Yeah. And just like, he's so funny and wild and with the slim shady thing in particular, like he is trying to be so provocative and trying to okay. like, just everything is super like wake you up. He's trying to shock you, you know, and yeah. with everything yeah. and it becomes like, and it's so fun. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, went, I, the last two days I went through his discography backwards. And so I was kind of like going back to when he was what, like 20 or 22 or whatever. And it was like, holy crap, yeah. this guy, like, man, that's a little far. <laughs> like, yeah. whoa, like, hold on. Like that song, Guilty Conscience. Yeah, oh, God almighty. Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> First of all, that song fucking rules, like musically and stuff. Like, bam, 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 and he clearly wrote both him and his and Dre's parts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. so they're like really his style, which is controlled and precise, and his rhythm right there. You know, yeah. his wordplay yeah. is also right there, but also it is just the fucking most misanthropic. <laughs> <laughs> In the world. Yeah. We really enter into a dark space sometimes. Yeah. And it's fun. It's fun because you're like, it's fun because it's transgressive. Yeah. And if you're like, just like, because, you know, I'm I'm a dad, I'm a nice person and I'm a moral, ethical person. But if I'm like fucking jogging or something and I'm like playing like guilty conscience, like I'm going to have a fucking good time. I'm not going to like feel bad about this fucking shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would not play that song at a party. Oh, no God. matter how good. Oh. No, no, especially no not in the burbs. Or, yeah. What's that? Especially not in the burbs. <laughs> like, no, I think, and, yeah, especially not if women are present. Oh, no, God, no, no. Because I think most, like, there's a lot of Eminem songs. I think people, will, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, it's, the music is great, particularly the songs that Dr. Dre produced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're next level. Like, even his first song, the first one, fucking My Name Is. Oh, I know. Yeah. No, and that that was the one that I, I really, because it got played and played and played so much on MPB. Yes. And I was like, I hate, by, yeah. by like week two, I was like, I hate this. And then eight months yeah. later, it's still getting played all the time. Yeah. Because I, mean, I think that, I did the same thing. That first with line Eminem. is sick. <laughs> like, hey, kids, What's that? do you like violence? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> This year, I got really into that song. I'm like, oh, this is a masterpiece. Mm. Front to back, a fucking masterpiece. Mm. It's amazing as it lays out everything about Eminem. Yeah, yeah. Like here, here's this guy that's going to be super famous for the next 30 years, mm. and here's everything about him in three minutes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, his fights with his mom, 
his yeah. whole his whole like little life story, which you know, we'll, we we got to get to Eight Mile in a minute. <laughs> yeah, at some point. Uh, <laughs> at some point. Yeah, at some point. Yeah. I'm oh yeah. Sure. Well, and there's another character, right? Jimmy Smith. His two his two songs on the Eight Mile soundtrack are like about Jimmy Smith. Or no, no, no. Uh, Lose yourself. Yeah, it's in like third person about Jimmy Smith. And then the last one, Rabbit Run, which is my favorite, still my favorite song by him, oh, okay. um, is like written in the first person. I think as Jimmy right. Smith. I'll run off my mouth for a second because mm-hmm. I got back into Eminem like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I've always kind of liked him. And to your point before, when he was big, it was everywhere. Like when that first album came out, it was everywhere and it was super fucking annoying. Yeah. And the thing about him being a, a white rapper. It was hard to get past was, the vanilla ice <laughs> Oh yeah. It was hard to get past. And also it was like the, he was so much more prominent than any other rapper. Yeah. And you yeah, yeah. couldn't help thinking it's because he's white. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. they finally cracked the code. They got like, a, a white rapper who's good. Right. He gets like, called uh, Elvis for a reason. Yeah. 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 It's why yeah, embarrassed the parents still listen to Elvis. <laughs> and there's a reason why that line is in that song. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, it's a different song. No, it's um, Without Me, mm-hmm. which is another great track. Yeah. That's the which, third album. The third album, yeah, that that was my jam for a long yeah, time. Yeah. And that's really interesting, too, because that song, I'm, okay, I'm going to kernel into this because I love this piece of trivia. You do, you know that it starts off with a fucking Malcolm, um, Malcolm McLaren reference, right? Does it? Yeah, the, the, the Sex Pistols manager. The, um, yeah, yeah. He had like a kind of a hip hop song. Like in the like in early days of hip hop, he made an a, I think a whole album of this where he took like what do you call it square dance calling, you know, really? like round your that's what that's about. Oh, you know, yeah. And but it was all over like hip hop samples. So he just uh-huh. made this interesting, sort of facile but still interesting observation that these two things are similar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. You know, and then but then he actually followed up on it and made like a bunch of songs huh. that where the beats are all very good, but he is um you know just doing this like bullshit you know whatever uh square, square dance, dance call, call. yeah but the big one was buffalo gals and the first line is two buffalo gals come round the outside yeah. round the outside round the outside and so the first line in that eminem song is two trailer park, park girls, girls come round the outside and wow yeah i didn't know that yeah that's, that's awesome. like yeah it's pretty because there's also, also that song square dance <laughs> on i think it's on the same album oh is there yeah oh yeah so when so when he first came out he was so big and it was so hard to not see him and it's so hard to not think that he was some cheesy dude then i think it took a long time for me to be like no he's really good i think i liked my name is yeah when it first came out also it helped i heard that on the radio a bunch right when that first came out right i think they played it on like hot 97 <laughs> yeah the, probably which is like the black right that'll black okay you got some street cred if that's gonna happen yeah he, i just assumed he was a black dude <laughs> right. you know? like, like all right yeah it's on hot 97 like who is this guy it's funny it's good great beat you know mm. and then it's like oh he's a white guy <laughs> he's a white guy with bleach blonde hair <laughs> he got oversaturated then i think i enjoyed his hits but it was it was tough it was kind of hard and it settled down you know yeah also my access to monoculture pop culture kind of receded to mm. you know like i wasn't listening to pop radio or yeah I think so. yeah, yeah. well yeah i mean that that's partly what happens as you get older i think you're just like ah. Oh. yeah yeah, but it's nice because like once that oversaturation thing is gone and you can like go through his music without that kind of with that shit in your face right it's a different experience yeah you know yeah yeah. i think the thing that got me back into eminem the venom song mm-hmm. the venom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a surprisingly good song <laughs> i was surprised because i was like eminem is doing a fucking song for some comic book movie <laughs> that's weird at the know? same time it makes perfect sense yeah and then you hear it and he's so <laughs> 
and he's such a good writer and he's such like so good at like pulling together all these themes and shit yeah. so he like somehow makes like this <laughs> he, he makes like this idea of an alien symbiote about him <laughs> his public persona as a rapper and so they're like no i've been the symbiote and it makes and it's a great and it argument. totally works <laughs> It totally works. And I'm like, what? how did you do that? How did you like, because <laughs> I like that movie, but it's a goofball. Fucking, <laughs> it's a goofball movie, you know? My so, nephew really wants me to watch it so that we can talk about good. it. Okay. All right. I'll watch Yeah. Watch. It's a good movie. Check it out. I mean, it's just like entertaining. It is not like. It's, <laughs> it's not. It's not eight mile. <laughs> no. I was going to say it's not fucking Solaris or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> This isn't cinema paradiso, you know? You're not going to fucking, like, your life's not going to be enriched by watching it. <laughs> but it's a, it's a chill-ass fucking fun movie. And uh, what's his face? Um, the guy from Mad Max Fury Road stars in it. He does, like, a funny voice. Oh, okay. Which I love. Right. It is almost like a Marlon Brando-y kind of, like, mush mouth. But, any, yeah, so it was weird to me that Eminem did this fucking Venom song. So I tracked it down. And I had a friend who, yeah. by the time I heard that song, it was, like, three years old or something of course yeah you know? yeah and so i'm like yeah have you heard this song it's really good and then he wrote me back he's like yeah and that's the that's yeah it's a good song it's also the worst song on that album <laughs> which was kamikaze and i was like well fuck you for big timing me but also now i have to go listen to this album that you say is good <laughs> which is a sick and um it's amazing yeah and it's i think it's his best album the, the, be. yeah the 2017 album kamikaze like that first song the ringer Oh, that's, that's my favorite Eminem song. The sudden out of nowhere breakdown that just won't stop. It's, it's oh crazy. yeah, but I'm harder than myself and yeah, yeah, yeah. regardless and have it be as honest like that. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who he's angry angry with or what he's angry about. <laughs> I tried to figure it out, and I'm like, this is like holy crap! You are taking things really personally from people you shouldn't even be bothered thinking about. Yeah. But there's like a half an hour. This, holy hell, go for it. Yeah. There's like a half an hour um, YouTube video where they talk about every petty grievance he's addressing <laughs> in that song. And how thin is your skin, buddy? Yeah. 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 It's like nothing. It's stuff that you should just be able to brush right off your shoulder. Right. But it's so good. I mean, it's so like next level, just good performance. Yeah. I mean, it is, I mean, the, I, I think this is where his battle rap background just comes in and like you don't get to challenge him. Kind of. No. If you're if you're gonna come, if what's the line from the wire? If you're gonna come at the king, you best not miss. Oh, you, yeah. You best not <laughs> like, miss. That's right. Yeah. And so he's just got to destroy you yeah he's not only going to prove that he's better than you but he's going to run you out of the industry <laughs> <laughs> and quite possibly make you cry on stage yeah oh yeah he won't yeah he wants to make you cry uh, that album i just listened to that obsessively and that song especially like that you know let me explain how to make greatness straight out the gate i make no mistake yeah and by the way i've, I've listened to this song a million times <laughs> and i know what the words are and I know where they land on the beat, but trying to do it at the same time is almost impossible. And even something simpler, like um, nowadays, everybody want to talk. They've got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move the lips. It's a bunch of gibberish. Motherfuckers acting like they forgot about Dre. Yeah. Like, like no, being no. able to say that in time with him and is so... Well, and this is also part of the, the other part that really kind of really genuinely hooked me with him as like a songwriter is... I, I think I've told you this before, but like I think he's... I think he has the best control of internal rhyme since like John Donne. Yeah. Like, cause the line that I always think of is his, his um, introduction is so embarrassing. Like he, he introduces 50 cent on what is it? Uh, Get rich or die trying album. 
And yeah, he yeah. embarrasses 50 Cent on his own introduction by like his breakdown in the middle of that big hit song is insane. Oh, patiently waiting. Yeah, I've been patiently oh, waiting, yeah, debating through all the hate. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, the, me, the weather, the st- Oh, yeah, we, I've talked to you about this before, yeah. but that's so funny where he goes, um, Shady Records is 20 <laughs> seconds away from the towers. Those cowards hit the wrong building. They meant to hit ours. I, like, aside from the what is wrong with you, <laughs> bravado, <laughs> I mean, just think about how much how much rhyming is happening in those, like, three sentences. Oh, yeah, yeah. All, all, half yeah. of it's off the beat. It's not coming yeah. at the end of the... It's not supposed to be that easy to rhyme in English. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like it's actually English is actually a really difficult language to rhyme in because of the combination of French and German influences. Like it's not like right, in yeah. German or French or Italian or Spanish where a lot of words yeah. just happen to rhyme. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's like pulling in like Latinate and like uh, Anglo-Saxon words yeah. and trying to, trying to form fit that into something <laughs> that you're, don't, you know, there's the line, don't let me lose you. I'm not trying to confuse you when I shoot through yours. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Here's another song where he just like rap rhymes a bunch of V words <laughs> and then he, then he like stops. He goes, vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> like, that's just gratuitous. Yeah. yeah. He's just showing yeah. off at that point. Yeah. Oh, he was showing off the whole point. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's showing up because he has to show up and be on and be the best and just, you know, like there's no relaxing with him, which is another no. thing that's very bracing and really like enjoyable about the music. Like it's fucking intense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, his best and, song. When he tries to relax, it's not always, it's yeah, not always successful, I think. Yeah, I agree. Like he has a couple songs where he's trying to be like chill and like, no, it's all like enjoy life and celebrate. Right. And this one's kind of fun. No, no, yeah, no. Talk about beating people up and yeah. <laughs> doing drugs. It's all, yeah. doing lots and lots yeah. of uppers. Yeah, that's a. He said very Possib- public. possibly political assassination. Yeah, yeah. Vice President Mike Pence. <laughs> he had me on uh, on that song, The Ringer, when he goes. Turn down for what? No, turn the Valium up. Yeah, Jesus. How come nobody thought of that before? That's right. fucking, that was just sitting there and never, like nobody thought of that. No, except literally. For fucking yeah. That and also it, the 500th time I, I listened to it, like he goes, maybe Stan isn't your cup of tea. Get it. And I'm like, oh, tea's gone cold. I wonder. Oh, okay. Now, like it took me so long yeah. to get that quick little aside joke. When he even says get it. Yeah, and you still can't get it. I'm not even sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that really got me back into him. And, and yeah, that whole album is really good. But I got to say, I got to say, like, revisiting 8 Mile for this, uh, mm-hmm. for the purpose of this conversation, that was a hard watch, man. Yeah. For me. Yeah. yeah. Did you find that? Um. So the first time I, I watched it twice in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And the first time I realized I couldn't handle it and kind of went in out went in and out of the room a little bit yeah because yeah it was getting it was hitting a little close to home in weird ways because it's not like i grew up in an environment like that and then i watched yeah and then uh, i went back to it and watched it and it's a it's a damn good movie i mean yeah i have a couple asterisks on it but i think it's a really good movie yeah i mean it's a really simple movie it's not yeah you know it's not a it's not going to change the world kind of thing but it's a it's a really well constructed film yeah it's a really well constructed film but I, I think it does have a sort of real world resonance in the sense that I do think this is a movie about intentionally or not. It's about capitalism. For oh, sure. absolutely. Without any doubt. Yeah. yeah. And, and even yeah. more than that, um, uh, neoliberal capitalism yeah. in particular, 
Because yeah. I, I think I was telling you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I want you to to expand on that. Oh, well, because yeah. I went I went back between the two viewings. I went back. I, I think I was telling you I went back to wa and watched Rocky. Um, yeah. And what's funny is when I was then like I was looking stuff up, and apparently when when Eight Mile first came out, either Ebert or Roper compared the last battle to the fight in Rocky, the final fight in Rocky. Yeah. And I didn't even know that. I just like, it was just the opening scene that had that kind of like opening two or three scenes that had that kind of like raw, oh, I've been in these kinds of bars. I've been in these kinds yeah. of environments kind of feel. And I, I had this, and then it kind of hit me like, yeah, this is, there's ways in which it's like Rocky. And then yeah. watching them kind of in quick succession, you can actually really see, or at least I think you can really see a, um, a difference that's happened in terms of like the relationship of capital between yeah. the mid to late seventies and the mid to late nineties through mid aughts, however you want to, because eight mile takes place in 95, but it was made in 2002. Yeah. My, my, my thing with Rocky is I think like Rocky is a movie about people who have given up on life and it's sort of like reawakening your spirit and your passion, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And like, you know, it's a, and it's both like him uh, that's rocky as a love story with adrian where they both feel like they're just like living these gray lives of defeat and whatever right but they actually can find love with each other which is very sweet and it's a very compelling love story but also it's like rocky's like all right maybe i can be a boxer again and and the movie works it's a fantastic movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it is great. You know, because they really like, cause it's like waking up at dawn and eating an egg and, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the fucking cold. Like they really, they make the, the difficulty of it. They really yeah, put yeah. that. Well, and that's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay, so I grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs, so I'm obligated to love, to love Rocky. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's always funny when I was watching this in 8 Mile again, I was like, you know what? In all the like karate movies and like Karate Kid and all that, I always like the training scenes more than yeah, anything yeah. else because they're so much more interesting. It's like, how do you actually get to this point? <laughs> well, it, it's relatable because it's like you know they start off, they start off as bozos and you learn how to do it. <laughs> right, right. And, and you know, it's like that's a bit of the fantasy of, to it. Not so much in Rocky, yeah, but you know, a bit of the fantasy of it. It's like, well, if I tr if I trained with the master and did yeah, twenty yeah. hours, on <laughs> and if I lived on a mountain in Tibet for five years, and <laughs> yeah, but it is, so that's like the Rocky theme. It's like people have given up on themselves and they 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 re they rekindle their passions, right? But mm. then Eight Mile has surface similarities, but I think it's it's not about people have given up on themselves. It's about like people who are really like striving, everybody's like really like yeah. really striving hardcore, which is to that neoliberal thing that you were talking about. Yeah. Like there are all these like really driven self agents, you know, and they're competing exactly. with each other. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, And it's nobody's given up, it, and it's about that struggle, mm -hmm. you know, which is which is very different in my mind. I mean, do you think that's a good comparison? First of all, I think that's. Spot. I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking of because what, like when, when I read the Ebert or Roper thing, I was like, you're missing the point. Actually, the, yeah. the, the really interesting point of comparison, or at least for me, the point of comparison or contrast is the closing shots of Rocky yeah. and, and a mile, which is the closing shot of Rocky is he's hugging Adrian. He just lost, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but he went he the distance. Yeah, yeah. But he went the distance. But he went, yeah. through, which is all he was really trying to do. And Eight Mile yeah. is, 
I got to do my own thing. And he walk, you know, he walks off from his old childhood friends. Yeah. And he goes back to work. <laughs> he goes back to work. He's going back to his job in the stamping. It lands like it works like thematically and as a story, but it's also like about people being more and more atomized. Yeah, you know, exactly. There, there was this article floating around my Facebook that I think was in the LA review of books a little while ago about like um, reality bites and office space as like the perfect Gen X movies. Yeah. Gen X being like caught between the collapse of for- the Fordist kind of factory line world and the, the really serious rise of neoliberal atomization. Yeah. Um, and eight mile takes place in 95, right? Like <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the beginning. That's the really, it will not stop at this point. It's being right. lauded in 95. Um, yeah. this atomization. I mean, this is when you start to hear things about like people won't, people will be able to telecommute. We won't, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And Rocky is like, there's, there's community. There's, you know, he's walking around the street. He's taking care of the little girl, you know, the, the girl He's hanging out on yeah. the street corner. And in, you know, there's plenty of that through eight mile, but then there's this, you know, in him, in Jimmy Smith, there's this clear recognition of like, which is, this is a common theme in all kinds of art, kind of artistic biopic type of things of like, oh man, these, these guys' dreams are too small. Like, um, Wink yeah. and, and, uh, Future and everybody else, like, like they, yeah. they're just dreaming too small. I, I think if I'm going to be able to do what I want to do, I got to be, I got to get bigger. Yeah. I've got to escape. I, I got to escape. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and God knows that's a, that's a running scene guy. Got to get out of this small town. Yeah. He doesn't want to in a certain way. No. Like, yeah, he doesn't want to. Like, he likes his friends and he likes, you know, because Future, his whole thing is like doing this rap battle in Detroit and it's bringing these people together and there's a community thing there. Yeah. And then the other guys want to do a an ensemble, you know, like a band kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's and then so it's let's let's all be together. Let's all do this collective effort, but everything in in Eminem's universe argues against that. Yeah. You know, every circumstance that he encounters argues against that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not just, I mean, you know, the the love interest, uh, Alex, what's the first thing she says? Like, I'm getting out of here as fast as I can. Yeah. And she, yeah, she's the most atomized character. Yeah. She's, she's, she's just floating. She's just floating. Yeah. It's in the way that she's introduced is like kind of pure cinema. Like when, when Eminem sees her on the dance floor and she's like, just flickering and different kind of lights yeah. and dancing. I mean, it's beautiful, like a great scene. Yeah, yeah. But it's also like this is she's not she's not something you can touch or something that you yeah, can right. have not for very long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you're like she's not gonna she's not gonna be like your wife. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? no. And when I remember when I first saw the movie, I thought like, oh, this has got to be about this has got to be based on Kim. And I was, like, and then I was this time I was like, nope, not even close. No, <laughs> the other the other girl in the movie is Kim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the other, who's kind of a she's kind of a an actress too. Like, I mean, she's obviously an actress, but she's kind of she's been in other stuff too. I, 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 yeah, yeah. I meant to look her up for this. I forgot to. <laughs> well, she, but, she barely exists in the movie. She's just like she has like two scenes. One of which is while he's sitting in the car, thinking about yeah. getting back with her, and then is like, "Oh God, no." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also the the second scene where it's more substantial and they talk. It's one of the worst scenes in the movie. Oh yeah, that's rough. 
Yeah, that's right. It's really poorly scripted and and poorly acted. Yeah, and, um, they could have done something more with that, but I think they just you kind of get the feeling that they're like, "There's this is obligatory." Yeah, yeah, because like I think Eminem has a kind of a narrow acting range, and they the movie <laughs> takes really good advantage of that range, right? You know, but like once that in that scene, it, like it drifts into it feels like a, a TV show. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, like fucking stop embarrassing um, yourself. Yeah, stop. Yeah, you know, she's like, stop embarrassing yourself. And he's like, hey, come on, there, Kent. Whatever her name is, you know. Yeah, hey, come yeah, on, yeah. I want to do this. You know, it yeah. just, it it feels like TV, and it feels like poorly acted TV that I would turn off. You know. <laughs> right. And since I'm on that, the poorly acted thing, Kim, uh, watching it again, Kim Basinger is terrible in this fucking movie. You know, I really like her, and I want to disagree. <laughs> there are moments when she's on point. Yeah, she has some good scenes, but it's, it feels like, first of all, like she has a southern accent. Yeah, I don't fine. know what's up with that. I, yeah, I, I mean, it's fine. That. You can kind of feel like, all right, so she's from she's from the south. She's from Georgia or whatever and moved to Detroit for some reason, you know, whatever. But it also feels like she's this Holly, phony Hollywood actress who's like, well, I'm playing this role. And she's, this role... It, She's poor, <laughs> and she poor. lives in a trailer park. Therefore, she must have a southern accent. Exactly, which is yeah. fucking insulting yeah. <laughs> on multiple to multiple people. Yeah, yeah, and it just in its sake. Yeah, and then, and then a couple scenes where she's almost seems to be like not committed to the role, you know. Yeah. So she wants to be a little campy and a little removed from the material and save her dignity. And yeah. it's like. Uh, I, did, I, I, you know, I, I remember, I remember liking her when I first saw it, when it, yeah. like back when it, probably when it first came out. And then this time I was like, oh, this is, what the hell is she doing? Yeah. There's like two scenes that I think she's really good. I will yeah, say. Yeah. But I think there's like three that I found to be really jarring. Like it seemed almost like, like John Waters level of camp. Or <laughs> when she's you drunk know? after, uh, after the, um, the dude leaves her. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Michael Shannon. I totally forgot that was Michael Shannon. Yeah. So did I yeah, until, until I saw it again. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good in this movie. He's not in it enough, but he's really good. But yeah. So, and it's, yeah, it's 1995 and it's all set in Detroit and it's all about like crumbling, crumbling Detroit. And it's so cinematic and beautiful, but it's also Ooh. like, is there all a non burnt out building? Yeah. You know, it's all blue grays. And yeah, it's all blues. When, and when there's bright colors, it's either a bar or a house is on fire. Yeah. Oh yeah, the fire scene is so interesting too. Yeah, which I had completely forgotten about. Yeah, uh, I don't know why exactly because it's actually a a fascinating little weird scene that has yeah. nothing to do with the plot line at all. No, but it 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 illustrates something about the characters in a visual way that's that's interesting. I think because mm-hmm. it's like. First of all, a, a little bit of Cheddar Bob goes a long way. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. He's he's really the 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 jarring. It was tough to watch that dude. The acting's well, fine, but and it and it works thematically because again, it's like he's the Buck Wild guy in your crew that you know you're loyal to, and you stay loyal. And it's about being loyal to your friends yeah, even yeah. when it's hard and stuff. And but you also he's know like, he's not all there. Yeah, you know he's not all there, and he's kind of codependent on you and really clingy, and you're you're his only ticket to coolness, and you know maybe he's holding you back from being cooler. Yeah, I've been. There. You gotta. <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody has like everybody has to kind of do that math. You know, it's like it's cool to it's nice to have his loyal friend, but it's also like 
maybe he is kind of holding me back and maybe in a way I'm kind of holding. No, I mean, I've been cheddar. <laughs> yeah. I've, I, yeah, I've, I think I've been on both sides. Of that <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably. But a little bit of him goes a long way. Cause it's, it, it's too, again, too raw, you know, yeah, cause that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, but yeah, that scene is really, the fire scene is really interesting is it's like, it, it explains why he, he hangs out with them. Like why cheddar Bob is still there. Cause he will do this really extreme behavior mm-hmm. that's interesting to these guys. And it's, you know, like set a house on fire or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, while, then, while they're still in it. Yeah. You know, while they're still in it. And then he'll stay and watch. Like it's only him and Eminem staying to watch. Right. Yeah, yeah. They have to call yeah. him back. They, yeah, while the police are coming. Right. And uh and then Eminem stays the longest, you know, but he's because he's getting the most out of the the crumbling community the crumbling of the community, the destruction mm-hmm. of the community. Like he's somehow able to draw that into his like individual, you know, striving. More yeah, so than anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, what does he say to the girl, to Alex, or that, or Bridget, uh, Bridget, Bridget Murphy? Is that her name? Brittany yeah, Murphy. Brittany Murphy. Yeah. He says, uh, She's whenever, great. She's great. Yeah, throughout she's great. Movie. And I just yeah. learned, I just learned when she died. <laughs> I didn't realize. She died, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. um, sad. She was a great actress, man. She was really good, especially in those. Yeah. She's like yeah. perfect in the movie. Um, yeah. But he turns to her and he says, You know, when I was a kid, I used to dream of growing up, of living in a house like this. Uh, you know, before, because it's a house yeah. that like, it's an abandoned house that apparently a rapist took, like hid a little girl in for like three days. That's why yeah. they burned the house down. <laughs> like, un- right. Before. But the source of that information is Cheddar Bob. So that also right, might right. be like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. He's not really like pouring over the Detroit free press for, <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's true. Although he, ha- he has his ear to the ground, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like the whole movie, it's about it's about like humiliation and suffering and about but somehow trying to be this individual and trying to rise above that in a way, you know? Yeah. And it's and it's weird because it has this very of the moment so like realism to its look. Mm-hmm. But then it has that old Hollywood story of like, you know, gotta you get gotta, out of this town gotta get out of this town yeah you gotta you know you gotta do your you know find your power or whatever it is right um and so those two things become in conflict in a really interesting way Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah Yeah. no i think i I think that's right and you know as you were saying that it occurred to me how like perfect as a as a backdrop to all of it battling is um yeah kind of in a similar way with boxing for rocky but you know but totally counter positioned i guess kind of way you know, battling is not that I spend a lot of time in in battles, but right. I mean, if any, if you know anything about like the history of art of uh, like artists, they tend to be kind of egocentric assholes, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and find ways of creating rivalries or whatever, and like battle rap as a style, and like that's what it is. It's right centered on like ad hominem attacks and uh, right. And, and creating conflict where there not might not actually need to be any, but like yeah, yeah. Just but it's in, also that's true. But it's also skill. about like yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I'm sorry, I, I spoke over you on your last. Oh show no, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was I was basically done. Now, well, so, could you repeat what you just said? Oh, was, oh, for the sake of showing off skill. Yeah, well, yeah, because the skill thing—that's I think 
that's foregrounded a lot because it's not just aggression. Like you're not just going out and fighting. You also have to have this facility with words yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and with, you know, concepts and be able to think on your feet. And, you know, so Which it's is like the part that around. always amazes me. Like if somebody can yeah. style that, like I'm in awe of their linguistic skills. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about M in particular is like, what on earth? Yeah. He's just on yeah. another level with that. Yeah. It's like the, the rap battle is so good at the end. Mm-hmm. Like the, the first guy that comes out, like the guy with the longer dreadlocks. Um, Look at you know, the guy. He's like the muscle guy and M. Oh, the muscle guy. Yeah, apparently he had to be bailed out. I think it was no, it's oh, it's the previous guy, the lickety split guy. He's a oh, real. Okay. He's a he was a real underground Detroit MC, and he had to be bailed out of jail to make the shoot <laughs> on like Fed weapons charges or something yeah. like that. Oh, the guy, the first guy in um in the first in the Is beginning proof. of the movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Eminem's friend from D12 who was killed in a billiards game. Yeah. Like a year or two later or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah super sad. Yeah. But yeah. So that guy comes out and I was kind of, well, the, the, the muscle guy, because mm-hmm. I was surprised by that because I was like, oh, this guy's really good. And everything he's saying is clever and funny yeah. and interesting. And it's, uh, and, uh, and even though I have seen this movie before and obviously, you know, it unfolds as it unfolds, I'm like, well, how's Eminem going to come back from that? <laughs> yeah. Cause he does. Yeah. I mean, he has that beautiful closing out of like, uh, I'll just say, fuck you and have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, you got, yeah. Is, yeah. How are you going to come back? And Eminem kind of pauses and you're like, ah, and then, but then, he his, learned, then he learns how to be Eminem. This is the thing that I think is most interesting about that climactic, the whole sequence of climactic things is like, yeah. he learns how to be Eminem and turn and flip everything. And yes. Eat them all. Like, nope. I'm white. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna go down the list, and you can't say yeah. shit about me because I'm gonna make it even funnier than you could ever possibly make it. Yeah, yeah, and that's all. Yeah, because he just cancels all their attacks. He also cancels. Yeah, him being white, and he's like, he, he's like, well, I'm white, but you're, you went to Cranbrook. Yeah, that's beautiful. And he, his parents have a real nice marriage. <laughs> that's the line that killed me. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. God. Parents, parents have a real nice marriage. Oh, yeah, when he comes is, out with that, I know something about you. That is that is brutal. Because and that's yeah. like that like gets it right back into the I think into the neoliberal atomization thing. It's like yeah, what's the one thing that like what does he start doing when he figures out how to go after that that guy at the end? Is like everybody in the three one three right? What is the one thing we all have in common that we are yeah. all been we've all been fucked and our lives have been fucked yes. and we're barely holding on to res- anything resembling community. Right. That's right. it. Yeah, that's... Like, this is all we have is our poverty. And like, this is the yeah. thing that I think is like most amazing about the way that a lot of the kind of battling is portrayed so much of the time. And this goes back to like, you know, your mama type jokes too, is like, there's yeah. kind of a theme of like poor people mocking poor people for being poor, which could right. not be more of an internalization of neoliberal ethical theory. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like that Eddie Murphy stand-up routine, either on Raw or Delirious, yeah. where it's like all about being unable to afford things, and that's the whole joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, and th- like this is the thing that holds them all together. And what is the what is the like killer in that line? Is dudes? It's not just that he. I mean, you know, I went to a private school, and we actually my my 
high school actually did a uh, was very self-conscious about like recruiting kids out of some rough neighborhoods in different parts of the, of the New Jersey area. Um, but the line, the line that killed me is like, his parents have a real nice marriage and like, Oh God yeah. damn. And like, yeah. even, even that is fallen is like visibly fallen apart. Yeah. And it's not a black thing. It's a poverty thing. Yeah. Yeah. It stops being like, about despite race, what, despite being what, uh, what fucking, uh, uh, Bill Cosby wanted to say for so long. It's a poverty oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's about material conditions. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, it's really hard to hold yourself and others together when you can't hold yourself together. Yeah. And this, this is an aside, but I, I have to talk about this. So I found out a couple, like five years ago, Cranbrook is a real school. <laughs> of course it is. And this is how <coughs> I found out. Because... Um, uh, the George Plimpton journalism book. <laughs> where, where he, George, sorry, sorry. The second I hear George Plimpton <laughs> with a private no, school, yeah, no, yeah. Like, oh, so when so when do they row against Harvard? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The uh, you saw that movie uh, when we were kings, right? About oh the, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's awesome. In that. Like all dictators, he's an ugly, ugly man. That was Mailer. <laughs> no, no, no. It was Plimpton. That it was, was Mailer. Oh, I've been saying that was Mailer. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, no, no. I think so. I don't know. I got him. I got Clinton's him. great in it though. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. But um, so his book, Paper Lion, where he tries out for the Detroit Lions and his quick side. His training camp is Cranbrook. Is it really? And, yeah, it's that it's, and it I looked it up and I was like and I and I was like, oh, I'm familiar with this. I know Cranbrook. That's a private school. Yeah. And I said that to somebody, like, I think it was somebody, like, in their 20s, and, and they looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, oh, it's this movie? <laughs> the whole movie is calibrated in such an interesting way. So it starts off with, like, this extreme humiliation, right? This public yeah. humiliation. And he's, an ex- like, physical, physical public humiliation of vomit. Not, not public, but physical humiliation of vomiting. Yeah. You know, and that. And like it's him, like listening to I think it's like a Nas song on his um, Walkman. I think you're and, right. You know, yeah. yeah. And he's trying, you know, got all the, trying to do all the moves and trying to get it, and like having this kind of fantasy thing. And then the fantasy completely crumbles yep. on contact with oxygen. You know. Yep. Yep. Been and there. so, <laughs> yeah, I, everybody has. You know, right. just sort of like you wanted it to be one thing, but it's not going to be like that. You know. Yeah. And um. Your pan, your power fantasy is not going to, you know, come to fruition in reality. Right. And so that that humiliation carries through the whole movie, and it's you know that suffering carries through the whole movie, and then he gets to the rap battle at the end, and the, the dynamic of that where it's his great triumph, and it fucking rules because it's also we're watching this movie because Eminem is in it, and he's fucking Eminem, and he's you know so Eminem gets to be Eminem, right? You know. So like you, you, and it feels like this, a fucking explosion, but it's like getting there is so, it's such it's a torture. slog. To get, yeah. 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 It's the training. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the, that's the other, that's one of the other things that I kind of noticed and you're right. I mean, that's, I didn't think about it in these terms until you said about the slog, but like, since I always liked like the training parts of karate movies and stuff, it's all training. Yeah. <laughs> like you really, yeah. you, they really kind of do a lot of work to show like not just the background, but they show him explicitly writing and like trying to figure out rhymes and trying to figure out rhythms yeah. and stuff like that. Like 
you see yeah. the work that goes into how how he or anyone else can do what they can do what they do. Right, right. Yeah, there's that great scene when he's on the bus and they're playing that song. I think they're playing I think Run it's Rabbit. Song. Something I think, like that. Yeah, or yeah, it's close it's enough. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like you only get snippets of the rhyme. So it's like right. he's writing it, but he's got to... Yeah, yeah. He's not going to first draft this one. <laughs> no, no. You know, he's going to revise. Right, right. And that, yeah. yeah. And I noticed how many times he talks about his notebooks and in, in song and like going back through his catalog. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was my big tell for when I realized that for, he wrote Dre's part and forgot about Dre. Cause uh, like there's a line that Dre says, like, cause I've been in the lab with a pen and a pad and I'm like, no, that's not Dre writing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if he's, they've talked about that publicly, but I think that's something like an open secret okay. that Eminem wrote that. It would not they've talked about, Yeah. I'm not sure. Cause I think like Eminem wouldn't, volunteer that information he's too loyal to dre yeah oh yeah but that's actually so that i'm, I'm gonna put a link to that um the little documentary clip i sent about mm -hmm. to you about um dr dre discovering eminem oh that's awesome i love yeah, it wasn't that amazing yeah yeah and it just feel, and, and what's interesting is it's so contra like the real life triumph of eminem i isn't believable that, as a hollywood story <laughs> No, because he lo he lost the big rap battle. Right, of course he did. Yeah, yeah that course. part I'd like, heard. That part I'd heard before this documentary. Yeah, and then but there was some intern for Interscope Records there who liked him, and he kind of reluctantly gave him a cassette. Right. And that and that ended up with Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, and which you know, and he's like, yeah, I had I'd had chances before, they didn't really pan out, which again, so so sad. Yeah. Like like it's. It's sort of like, like the, it, he skated so close to like not happening. I, so yeah. Hard. In the documentary, it kind of makes it seem like he's, a, he was about a week from just moving back to Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Maybe less. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then like the, the, so he loses in real life, he loses the rap bell, but he meets Dr. Dre and it's, and I don't know. I like this. Feels like it couldn't be real. That the first song, the first beat that Dr. Dre plays. <laughs> my name is. It's my name. Is. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it just seems too incredible. You know. And he just freestyles like, and they put and, it on the album. <laughs> yeah, it was like instantly. It's like one of the most famous rap songs ever made. Right. Like the first time these guys were in a recording studio. You know, but I'm at, but I'm at. You know, hi, my name. Like, really? That was like. That on on another like, level, though, like I can kind of, I can kind of see it. And so far, to get back to the persona thing, because yeah. uh, one of the on his on Eminem's first album, Infinite, which I don't think I've even listened to, um, yeah, he hadn't developed the Slim Shady persona. He was still trying to do a bit of the kind of East Coast West Coast gangster stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody from his either from his old record label or the people in LA he was talking to were like, you got to create something new and that's, yeah. and he kind of like opened up with Slim Shady as a character. So it's quite possible that he had like half of those rhymes sitting in his head for months. Oh yeah. yeah long, like just waiting for the right moment. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely right. He was patiently waiting for a tractor. <laughs> Debating through all the hating. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing about that clip, that's so that, uh, it's so revealing to me is how vulnerable Eminem seems in it. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. a little, like he looks so young and he still is a little, cause I guess he, he lost a bunch of weight, like right before he met Dr. Dre. 
I guess you that was one thing that's keeping him from being famous. He's a little fat. Yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. That makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, I think it should make everyone. That's what's been holding me back. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so they lost a bunch of weight. I, you know, maybe because he's methed up or something. Yeah, they could also be. Yeah, yeah. It might not have been protein shakes and <laughs> running. But he just like looks so vulnerable and just so happy that like uh Dr. Dre is, you know, kind of uh embracing him. Like he's just like looking at the camera, he looks kind of dazed. He's like, Is this really everybody? Happening? Yeah, no, he's like he says, like, everybody, please, please accept me. Please <laughs> yeah, accept me. Right. I need to be accepted. And it's like that, you know, again, that's like really raw and someone like it brings me back to when I was a lot more of a vulnerable person, like teenager or yeah, like yeah. early 20s or whatever. And it's funny that that's on tape. <laughs> yeah. For all the world to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, that's something that he, I don't think he would ever really do that so nakedly again. No, no. Yeah. Because it's not, I don't think anybody's comfortable with being that vulnerable, you know? Oh, no. And, uh, God, no. I, I mean, you know, that's, that's, he clearly, like, uses the various persona to, to kind of like play out vulnerability, you know, from a safe distance. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. That's kind of his, I mean, again, that's one of the things I think is fascinating about him is like, they're talking to each other, yelling at each other and like commenting on each other's stuff and like calling each other assholes and pussies or whatever. Yeah. But it's all him. <laughs> yeah. It's all the voices in his head. Yeah. Yeah. I think he has a, has a like Rihanna song. Is it like a I'm friends with the voices inside of my head? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the stretch of albums I don't really like, honestly. <laughs> like I, that, I don't know. Like, there's a couple of this stuff. With, uh, I think "Love the Way You Lie" is the one that's really good from that. Yeah, but that yeah, might that have gotten a, that might have gotten too much airplay, and but I wasn't really tuned into. Yeah, it. yeah. I love the way you lie. Yeah, it's, that one's okay. It, it's pretty good. Um. My friend pointed this out to me the other day and it kind of put a real bug in my ear, but it's like when like Eminem's he's, he's all control on the mic, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to be like very finely controlled about his rhythm and his wordplay and whatever. And then he kind of, when he starts doing like a shout rap, he kind of loses that control mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, that. Yeah. So I think that's where it kind of dissipates for me. Cause like that song, um, the one with pink, I like it. Kind of, it almost sounds like a like white stripesy kind of grimy guitar song, mm-hmm. and um, oh, I, I forget the chorus, but he kind of just shouts over it, and it's like, oh yeah, this song rocks really hard. It's intense. But I'm like, oh, it's not as good as some of the other things. Weirdly enough, <laughs> you know, it's like once he starts shouting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, if he has the right, well, because I'm thinking of like Mosh on the 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 anti-bush song uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah like he's yeah. shouting <laughs> yeah it's he's true. trying really hard not to say i'm gonna kill the president <laughs> yeah it's kind of nice that he's uh so activated by like by politics in such a way that seems just sort of like um i don't know like instinctively left-leaning i mean he doesn't seem to engage with it a ton like he doesn't he doesn't campaign with people or whatever, but he's like, no, although apparently he does, he does do a decent amount of like gay rights activism in the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the background. Yeah. Elton John. 
Elton John is like, yeah. that, like I guess Elton John, because he has the weirdest set of friends, the Hollywood friends, like Dre, yeah. Elton John, and like, yeah. and like Mariah Carey. Well, okay, no, maybe not Mariah Carey, but like the, just the weirdest they set of Hollywood friends. Well, yeah. I think she contests it. But like, yeah, so Elton John is really like kind of taking him under. Apparently, Elton John got him sober. <laughs> like was his sponsor. <laughs> How bizarre! I know. Man. Right? Not, like just uh, the most important people <coughs> in my life: I mean, Princess Diana and Eminem. <laughs> yeah, it's basically what it is. Yeah. So and yeah, so apparently he said like you wouldn't believe how much stuff he does. Like just in the kind of in the background, not really. You know, huh. He doesn't do. I, I you know he's not. I, obviously, he's not grabbing headlines because he says plenty of slurs at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's what's really interesting too. Is like, yeah, like the um, Kamikaze album, the 2017 one. I like I like the 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 music to get murdered by his more recent mm-hmm. album is very good, but it's like too much of the same. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. as Kamikaze. Like, um, but like, uh, he got in trouble for that. People were really mad at him for saying like slurs and stuff. And yeah, again, it's like. I, I get it that we're kind of trying to moralize culture in, in, in this way. And that happens to everybody, but it's like, you're really missing the point here Yeah. with Eminem, in my opinion. Like you're really like, he's saying these things to get a reaction and they're not really fucking real. Yeah. You know, like he, he says some really like, he made a reference like Gabby oh. Giffords that made me gasp. I think. But it wakes and it's also impossible to tell when which character's speaking at which point half the time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and he's, I would he's not take to... Slim Shady as a as a as a genuine vision of who he is. At right, the same yeah. time, it is. I mean, like, yeah. well, he's trying to shake you. He's trying to shake you awake by any means possible. You know, yeah. and so he's going to use like this advanced facility with language. And, and and this understanding of rhyme and rhythm yeah. and uh but he's also gonna like pull in just try to shock you and wake you up or whatever I, yeah you know I, I think i think he's best thought of as like andy kaufman in this kind of way like maybe he's yeah, gonna he's gonna leave you you're never quite gonna know what's happening right at any given moment yeah. like where well, you're yeah. supposed to be serious where you're supposed to take him seriously or not yeah but also with Andy Kaufman's connection to wrestling, because there's like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like a thing about getting a pop out of the crowd. And sometimes like the heel is more, the bad guy is right, more right, mem- yeah. memorable than the good guy. And you want to, whether it's negative or positive, you want to get a crowd reaction. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely what, what Eminem seems to be all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not in a stupid way. It's not like in a, I don't know. Well, sometimes it's stupid. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> At his yeah. best, not is, stupid. but it's not like a Marilyn Manson. I mean, I actually kind of right. Marilyn Manson or Alice Cooper kind of like, oh, look at what the suburban parents will think. Like, it's going to be weird as hell. Yeah, it's not going to yeah. be, you know, it's and it's not. It's not am trying to think of a good. It's not like a bad grindhouse movie. Or something like that. No, you know. No, it's not it's just exploitation, and it's not right. just like, you know, it's not like um, I was the the insane clown posse. I right, right, right. Which he apparently also had a beat with. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> like I have no idea what's going on there. Yeah, and it's kind of like you know, th- this is that's real life Cheddar Bob. If Cheddar yeah, yeah, Bob, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
they would be the insane clown posse. And because, you know, it's all first draft, you know, what if, what if kiss, but also rap (laughs) (laughs) with, with some, with some high octane sugar soda and maybe I'm not really sure. Yeah. And, you know, and, and what if we're clowns? Cause clowns are scary, right? Especially if we're dressed like kids. I, you know, I actually, I will say I like the insane clown posse a lot. (laughs) Like I think they're like, their music is kind of like, People who really are into hip hop will say it's bad, but I hear it, I'm like, I don't know, man. It's kind of fun. I, I I can't say I I've listened to them since right around the time that I lost my uh, DJ Jesse Jeff and the Fresh Prince album. <laughs> oh yeah, years ago I tried to interview the Insane Clown Posse and I went through their website and there's no information about their publicist, <laughs> but there's like 20 paragraphs to parents about whether or not it was safe to take kids to their shows. Nice. Which is, yeah, it was so funny. Uh, anyway, he has a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I'm like, is he actually does have talent and he does have things to say and he does, and he's doing this in a, approaching it in an intelligent way, but also, you know, he wants to get a pop out of the crowd. Yeah. He'll do that. You know, maybe that's going to be a fucking fart joke or maybe that's going to be like some weird outlandish thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's right. But this is I mean, okay. So just to try and bring it back to the movie that we're supposed to be, yeah, 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 about, yeah. Um, This is also the side of it that uh, this is part of what I think is really interesting about the movie, given his other, like his other modes of present self presentation. Is like it's not just like, like I, I don't know, I don't know how you felt watching this, but part one of the things that really hit me this time watching it is how familiar. Jimmy Smith felt as a character, like not to me as a person, but like that I've right. known people like him. Oh yeah. Who are just, he, yeah, he felt- who are hardworking at whatever it is they want to do, talented and, uh, and just like they're, when you know them, they're just like their hearts on their sleeve kind of thing. Right. Which is not yeah. the type of person you expect Eminem to be playing. No, not, you know what I really liked in this movie too, in Eight Mile, was him at work was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there's that great scene where he's just like assembling auto parts with the with the black dude, right. the older black man, and um, then at the end, like, and it looks like a documentary. Yeah, like it's shot like a documentary oh, yeah. for a minute. And I forget what the guy says, but he's kind of like, "Do your work." Yeah, just, just keep your head down, up. chill keep out. Keep your head down. And it, I think, and he does the guy. He does. And it's good advice, honestly, because you think that it's going to be Hollywood. No, I'm going to be me. You know, don't, don't try to put me in this box or whatever, but it's like, no, it's good advice. And this is a good job. Like (laughs) it's a good job. And like, yeah, that later, like the, the foreman comes over and he's trying to like, and he starts to chew out Eminem and Eminem makes like an excuse, starts to make an excuse. And then he just says it won't happen again. It won't happen again. Yeah. It starts making an excuse like it's not my fault or whatever, but he's like, it won't happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Like he took that lesson to heart, which is very interesting. And also like the part where the, the heavy set guy drops him off at work in the morning. Oh, that is awesome. That's one of my, I've compl- I'd forgotten about that scene entirely, but I lo- I actually laughed out loud this time. I laughed out loud too. That's the, <laughs> that's the biggest laugh in the whole it's movie. It's 730 like, in the morning. Yeah, it's 730 in the morning, dog. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's like, you ever feel like you, you should be up here, you know, which is almost very Hollywood cliche, yeah, like, yeah. you know, you know, but then real life, but well-earned you know, in the moment. 
Yeah, no, yeah, it's well earned, but also it could be like Jim Cagney or something. Yeah, yeah, you, know? Yeah. you know, like saying that. And and you know, but then the the realism of the it's seven thirty in the morning, dog. We're not having this conversation right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's you know, it feels real and good. Like that's I really like that yeah. movie. And and it's yeah, it is interesting because it seems like things that would be against the incompatible or against the grain or something, like him he's got to keep his head down at work and take, you know, take responsibility for who he is, but, but also he's got to be expressive and be kind of leave this job behind, yeah. you know, but, but he's respectful of the job. Uh, uh, it's interesting. Like it's the way they balance it is. Really yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's going back to work after he wins the, yeah. the battle. <laughs> he's right? Like that's very, out. he's like, I got to go back to work. <laughs> and then what's the name? Yeah. Saul, the big dude's like, what? Yeah. Like, what are you going to work for? You just won the big bet. No, no. This is yeah. not a big thing, man. Like Hey, did you see Dolomite is my name, the Eddie Murphy movie, the new one? No. I didn't even know about it. I'm a little out of touch here. Yeah, he made a movie about Rudy Ray Moore, the Dolomite. Did he really? Yeah, it's and it's fucking awesome. Sweet. All right. I'm gonna have to yeah, check it out. Highly recommend it. It's and it's a good companion to this movie because it's still sort of similar in the sense that it's about struggling through adversity and triumphing whatever against the odds and believing in yourself and so mm. forth. You know, it has that vibe, but that, but that one, it's all about community. Mm. It is about building a community and like doing it with the people around you and not being atomized and not selling anybody out. Like that's huh. what that movie is about. And it's a fucking hilarious, fun movie, but it's also like about, um, it's about community. It's about doing things with your with your friends and building something together. Hmm, interesting. So I'd say that would be a really good because that, and that's new. That came out like last year. Okay, it's interesting. I'm like, glad I'm not that far out of touch. <laughs> no, no, no. It's kind of shot in a similar way. Eight Mile too. Like it kind of has that, except it's an LA movie and the colors a little bit brighter. Right, right. Kind of has that thing. By the way, the so the director Curtis Hansen. Uh huh. Uh, he, yeah, he did LA confidential, <laughs> which is a fucking great. Movie. I know <laughs> like, when I saw who did the screenwriting, like the guy who did the screenwriting had just done something else really good too. And I was like, but these could not be more different movies. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah. He also did like wonder boys. That yeah. <laughs> which I, is a surprisingly good movie, but like, yeah, I know I've heard good things. I haven't Eminem. seen it's, you know, I mean, yeah. I was expecting crap and it turned out to be pretty yeah. good. And he did that like um I haven't again I want to see it and, and I haven't but uh the the movie where actors portrayed the bankers behind the 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 2008 uh banking collapse. Really? <laughs> yeah, like wow. when we fucking um Paul Giamatti plays Ben Bernanke yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy yeah, that was him. Yeah, he's an, I mean, I think he was an interesting guy. He died unfortunately, but oh, he yeah. was like yeah, he'd been knocking around Hollywood for a while. Like, he did like movies like wrote screenplays in the seventies for like fucking, I think Roger Corman and like huh. Samuel Fuller and made a bunch of shit that nobody, he, Oh oh yeah. He made that movie. Um, I think it's called, Oh, what the fuck is it? It's like getting it off or something or, but it's the movie like the teenage, the sex comedy with fucking Tom Cruise and Shelley long from 1983. Holy crap. I have no idea what you're talking about. I kind of want to keep it there. <laughs> Yeah, kind of, but it's also an interesting contrast to Eight Mile. Eight Mile yeah, yeah, and it's also weird because you do not expect this to be a good movie in a way. Like right. you don't expect Eight Mile to be like 
No, I, I didn't think it was going to be very good. I thought it was going to be like, well, like a lot of, I, I thought it was going to be a vanity piece, yeah, which I guess it is yeah. in a certain way. It is, but it, it transcends that to a degree. I think like as a point of comparison, the 50 cent movie, I can't remember the name of it. That's not good at all. That's the movie. Yeah. That, that, that was, I was not going to watch that. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. It's, it's a waste of time, but it's also like, it's weird on paper. You'd think that he has a more interesting life story. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why, why is this so boring? <laughs> Cause they can't name names anymore. Yeah. But it's weird to me. Cause like Curtis Hanson made, um, he made LA confidential, which was like this huge fucking movie and mm. won all these awards and stuff. I think ambassador won the Academy award for it. And, mm. uh, yeah, he, sure I think he did Wonder Boys after that, but then he did shortly after that was Eight Mile, which is like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do the Eminem movie. <laughs> I'm the most celebrated Hollywood guy, right? And I'm going to do the Eminem movie, and so he brings this like level of quality to it that's really weird. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, it's 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 very strange in that way. Like you don't you think it's going to be a, a vanity piece, and the yeah. opening scene you can see how it could become a vanity piece, and that it's this like the story arc is just an ascent from the, it begins from the bottom and it's a slow yeah. ascent, but then the, the character, I mean, it really, it takes place over what a, a week, right? A period yeah. Something week. like that. It's I wasn't a, tracking it that close. It's not. And when I watched it on over the weekend, I was paying more attention. I was like, I think it takes place. The opening scene is one Friday battle. And the last scene is the next Friday's battle. And I think that's it. So yeah. it takes place yeah. over the course of a week. And the week just keeps getting shittier and shittier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, some week. Yeah, it's a brutal fucking week. But you know, Eminem is a surprisingly good actor, as you said, within his range. And the yeah, yeah, the the cinematography is is well done. The the directing is well done, and it's a simple story, but it like it holds. It kind of keeps you going. And yeah, I I think it's it's not just like it's not a it's not a glamour piece. You know, I mean, no. it, you, you're not gonna you understand why it makes perfect sense to me why like Eminem typically wears like white t-shirts on stage. Like this is, you know, it's not a glamour thing. He's not going to be wearing yeah. like tons and tons of bling. It's not the world that he's from. It's not what he and it's not the way that he thinks about things. It seems like, um, yeah. It's funny because he, yeah, he's he has this presence and he's good in the movie, but it also you're like, oh, I get why you kind of never made another movie. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, there's no like, good sequel no, to this. No, I mean because uh, like he has that that really the only funny scene in that movie, Funny People, I think, is the Eminem scene. Is it really? He, yeah, he's like, there's this one short scene that you know that Adam Sandler kind mm -hmm. of drama yeah, yeah. comedy whatever. It's not very good, no. but um. Yeah, the only highlight of the movie is Eminem shows up and after Adam Sandler's cured of cancer and he said, oh yeah, you shouldn't have taken that medicine. You should have died. What are you going to do now? You know, it's like, oh, okay. And yeah, that's the only good part of that movie, but I don't think Eminem could do another movie besides 8 Mile, like all the way through. Yeah, probably not. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean... Maybe, who knows? He's a talented guy, but talented. I, I kind of like that he didn't. Like, I think it's really cool that he didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how. Because the other problem is, if he doesn't do, he'd be trapped, right? If he doesn't do a rap movie, then what's he doing? Yeah. If he does another rap movie, then it, why isn't it Eight Mile? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because well, I heard. You know, I mean, it, there aren't too many good rap movies. No, 
There's disorderly well, that that... in Eight Mile. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard that he was supposed to be in um, not District Nine, but the one with Matt Damon by the same director. The one I'm talking about. Yeah, we're like all the rich Vermont. people live on the moon. Oh, oh uh, Elysium. 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 That, that, that Eminem was supposed to be in that movie that was written for him and he passed, which seems crazy to me. That seems crazy that they offered it to him. Uh, you think so? I, I don't know. It seems weird. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I could see how somebody would want Eminem to be in that part because it makes more sense for him than Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, all right. But it's also like this it's a big science fiction action movie, you know. Right, right. He's not fucking the rock or whatever. Right. All right. So all right. So we've talked for an hour and a half. Wow. We can stop talking now. I know. You were worried that you wouldn't have an hour. I was worried that I wouldn't have like twenty minutes. Do you like Primus? Yeah, yeah. Want stick nine inch nails to each one of my eyelids? Uh-huh. Want to copy me and do exactly like I did? Try spin and get messed up worse than my life is? My brain's dead weight. I'm trying to get my head straight, but I can't figure out which Spice Girl I want to impregnate. And Dr. Dre said, Slim Shady, you a bass head. Uh-uh. Then why's your face red? Man, you waste. Well, since age 12, I felt like a caged out. Stay to himself in one space, chasing his tail. Got picked off. Pamela Lee's lips off, kissed him and said, I ain't no silicone was supposed to be this soft. I'm about to pass out and crash and fall in the grass faster than a fat man who sat down too fast. Come here, lady. Shady, wait a minute. That's my girl, dawg. I don't give a damn. Dre sent me to take the world off. Teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Damn. Thanks a lot. Next semester I'll be 35. I smacked him in his face with an eraser. Chased him with a stapler. I told him to change the grade on the paper. Now walked in a strip club. Had my jacket zipped up. Served the bartender. Then walked out with a tip cup. Extraterrestrial running over pedestrians. A spaceship while they're screaming at me. Let's, let's be friends. 99% of my life I was lied to. Just found out my mom is more dope than I do. I told her I grow up to be a famous rapper Make a record about doing drugs and name it after You know you blew up when the women rush your stands Try to touch your hands like you're screaming up your fans This guy White Castle asked for my autograph So I signed it, dear Dave, thanks for the support All sad
worse than my life is? My brain's dead weight. I'm trying to get my head straight, but I can't figure out which spice girl I want to impregnate. And Dr. Dre said, Slim Shady, you a bass head. Uh-uh. The watch your face red, man, you wasted. Well, since age 12, I felt like a cage down. Who stayed to himself in one space, twisting his tail. Got ticked off and Rick Ham Lee's lips off, kissed him and said, I ain't no silicone, I'm supposed to be this soft. I'm about to pass out and crash and fall in the grass faster than a fat man who sat down too fast. Come here, lady. Shady, wait a minute. That's my girl, dawg. I don't give a damn. Dre, sit me.